This is the Bible Book Club. And we're in the book of Joshua. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. If you've just found us for the first time, welcome to the Bible Book Club and season six. We are in the book of Joshua. Now, if you've been with us since the beginning of Genesis, thank you for being on this journey. We call this the Bible Book Club because the Bible is the number one selling book of all time. And what does that mean? It means it has to be read and it's fascinating to discuss, but therein lies the problem. A lot of us really don't have time to do all of that. What if all you had to do is listen? We make that possible for you here on the Bible Book Club. We read and discuss, and all you have to do is download and listen. We don't skip one word of this fabulous book. And the last thing I want to explain as we discuss, we occasionally point out these things that we call Bible benders. So I'm going to explain what that is if you're new here. The Bible is one of those books that teaches you something every single time you read it, something new. Sometimes we trip over information, and that is a mind bender. Well, we on the Bible Book Club, we call that a Bible bender. It's information that makes you realize that this book is about God's plan for us, and it was divinely directed. A Bible bender for me may be different than a Bible Bible bender for you or for Susan or for Buck, our editor, or for Haley, our producer. But it is our hope that by listening, you will learn something that you never knew before. And the more you learn, the more you grow in your faith. Okay, the book of Joshua. This is kind of exciting for us because, you know, we spent five seasons in the Torah and we are leaving that behind. We're, we're entering a new section. So how does Joshua fit into history and the Bible? Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament is based on the books of the Hebrew Bible, which is called the Tanakh. The Tanakh has the same books as our Old Testament. However, the books are organized in three separate scrolls rather than the 39 books we know in the Bible. The first scroll is the Torah, which means teaching or law, and it includes Genesis through Deuteronomy. We just covered this in seasons one through five of the podcast. The second scroll is the Nevi'im, which means prophets, and it combines some of the historical books plus the major and minor prophets. Joshua will be our first book from the Nevi'im. The third scroll in the Tanakh is the Ketuvim, which means writings, and that includes the rest of the Old Testament stories like Esther and poetry like Psalms. Now, if you're curious about the breakdown of the books in each scroll, we will put a Tanakh books graphic in the show notes. Or you can find it at susanme.com forward slash podcast. Now, the Old Testament as we know it in the Christian Bible was compiled after Jesus and was a reorg of the Tanakh with five divisions rather than the three scrolls in the Tanakh. Now, the Pentateuch is the first five books. And again, we covered that. It's the same thing as the Torah in seasons one through five of the podcast. The history books are the next 12 books. The book of Joshua will be the first of the 12. These 12 books in the history section, beginning with Joshua and ending with Esther, are aptly named because they describe Israel's history in Canaan. Remember, we're poised on the banks 
of the Jordan River ready to entertain it. So now we're going to have their history. Next, after the history books, there are five poetry books. There are five major prophet books. And there are 12 minor prophet books. That's 39 in total. All right. The Christian Old Testament books graphic will also be in the show notes or at susanme.com forward slash podcast. You can download that and really get all this in your head. All right, let's talk about the author of Joshua. Well, according to Jewish tradition, Joshua wrote the entire book, except for the passage about his funeral, just like with Moses's, you know, just how we ended Deuteronomy. Um, Obviously, he couldn't write his own funeral. All right, here's what we know about Joshua the man. In Exodus 17, if you've been with us on the podcast for the last five seasons, let me go back to Exodus 17. Joshua makes his first appearance in the Bible, where as a young aide to Moses, he wins his first battle against the Amalekites. Then in Exodus 24, we learn that Joshua must have become more than just an aide to Moses because Joshua accompanied Moses up Mount Sinai, while the Israelites below rebelled in the golden calf incident. So he was kind of protected from that incident because he was up with Moses, not all the way at the top. Moses kind of told him to wait, like halfway up, wait here. Joshua, so faithful, the guy didn't move. And we know Moses was up there for a while. All right, in Exodus 32, Joshua speaks for the very first time, revealing his natural bent as a military man. When he and Moses descend from Mount Sinai, and hear the raucous noise from the calf-worshipping Israelites, Joshua says, there is a sound of war in the camp. Well, we know it wasn't war. They were just hooping it up about the golden calf. But he thought it was war because he is a military man. In Exodus 33, we learn that the man Joshua is diligent and determined. Because while Moses goes back and forth between the tent of meeting, you know, talking to God each time he goes, it seems that Joshua was asked to never leave the tent, perhaps because it was his task to guard it. We don't know, but it always says, Joshua, stay behind. In Numbers 11, we learn that the man is loyal to Moses when he protests two men prophesying to protect Moses's leadership. In Numbers 13, it is recorded that his name, Joshua, was originally Hosea, But before Moses sent out the 12 spies to explore the promised land, Moses renamed him and only him, not Caleb or anybody else. Hosea, son of Nun, was renamed Joshua, which means the Lord is salvation. Joshua's name is strikingly close to the name Jesus, which means Savior. And a lot of commentaries compare Joshua and Jesus for many reasons. And Joshua's story of victory foreshadows the story of Jesus's victory over sin and the promise of eternal life rather than Joshua gets the promise of land. We also know from this chapter that Joshua is from the tribe of Ephraim and therefore a descendant of Joseph, my other crush. I'll get to my Joshua crush. Just you wait. In Numbers 14, we learn that from the generation God saved from Egypt, only Joshua and Caleb would survive the 40 years of wandering because they faithfully believe God would give them victory over the Canaanites when the other 10 spies sent in the land chickened out. 
Clearly at this point, Moses is aware that this man is his succession plan. And in Numbers 27, God makes his choice of Joshua clear when he commands Moses in verse 18. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out and at his command, they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Now, the NIV version of the Bible adds the word leadership in the verse that Heather read where it said, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership. So other versions usually just say in whom is the spirit. The Hebrew word used for spirit was ruach, which means breath, wind, or spirit. The word is first used in Genesis 1, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So again, the same word, rock, is used for both. So what we can learn from the use of this word is that, like Moses, the Holy Spirit was with Joshua, and the man was inspired. In Exodus 28, we read the first mention of the Urim and the Thummim, which represent light and integrity. So that was also mentioned in the verse above that Heather read, because it said, he is to stand, Joshua is to stand before Eleazar the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring the, the Urim before the Lord. So they thought that the, the Urim and the Thummim are thought to be a tool used by the priest to determine God's will, like casting lots. But what they look like and how they functioned, we do not know. But God is outlining how he will use Joshua Joshua, filled with the Spirit, in partnership with the priests, who will use the Urim and the Thummim to reveal his will for Israel. All right. Lastly, what we know about him is from Deuteronomy 31. Before his death, Moses commissions Joshua. And for the first time, we hear the theme phrase of Joshua as Moses tells First, tells first Israel and then Joshua to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. This phrase is going to be repeated five times in Josh, Joshua after it was said twice here in Deuteronomy. So what do we know about Joshua from, from what has already been written about him before we even get to his book? We know that from a young age, Joshua was a gifted military leader. We know that Joshua was wise, discerning, and had faith in God, for only he and Caleb saw the truth about conquering Canaan. Only they believed in the promise. We also know that Moses trusted him to lead the Israelites and to protect the tent of meeting. 
We know that Joshua was was protective of and devoted to Moses, God's leader. Lastly, we learn that he was filled with the Spirit. What we haven't yet learned, but will in the episodes to come, is that Joshua is by most counts considered one of the top 10 leaders in the Bible. He is in that leadership hall of fame with Abraham, Joseph, Moses, David, Nehemiah, Isaiah, Daniel, Peter, and Paul. However, he did not make it into the Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame, which you know I reference often on the podcast, which seriously disappoints me because I have a bit of a crush on Joshua. Yes, I confess it. I am sure that although it never mentions his looks in the entire Bible, in my mind, he looks like Henry Cavill. Oh, I don't even know who that is. Well, you need to get with it because the guy is so cute. And to me... Um, I just, I don't know. It's stuck in my head. I don't always get a picture. Like, I don't really have a picture of what Moses says. Of course, everybody pictures him with a long beard and kind of skinny old man. I don't know. But for me, Joshua, is he's just got to be cute. Now, while it doesn't mention his name directly in Hebrews 11, so he's not in that list, he surely has to get credit for two lines. These two lines. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So spoiler alert coming in two episodes, I believe. Mm, Not even. Might be next episode. We're going to talk about what happened when Jericho fell. And the leader of that was Joshua. All right. What we don't know about him is lots of stuff. Did he ever marry? They never talk about his wife. Did he have children? How tall and dark and handsome was he? This is important stuff when you have a crush and I could find nothing on it. I looked. Okay. Moving on to the book, the book of Joshua theme verse. Well, let's talk about this. There are so many great verses in this book, and we will feature one of them every week on Bible Book Club Instagram. You can find us there. We have a great graphic designer who will put it in a cool tile. But if I had to pick one verse for the whole book, it would have to include that phrase, be strong and courageous, because it's going to be repeated five more times in Joshua. So the theme verse for the whole book and for this week is Joshua 1.9. The Lord said to Joshua, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I love that last part. He doesn't always say that last part, but for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. All right, the theme or purpose of this book. The book of Joshua is the story of how Joshua led the Israelites to conquer the Canaanites and settle in the land God had promised to Abraham. Super simple compared (laughs) to what the story of some of our past books are, but that's what we're going to cover in this book. It's a story about a promise-keeping God, a purpose-driven leader, and a victory for the people that was 440 years in the making. 400 years in Egypt as slaves and 40 years in the desert. And now they have finally arrived because this is the beginning of their life in Canaan, the promised land. Now, if the Old Testament ended here at the end of Joshua, it would be a happy ending. But remember, Joshua is only the first of 12 historical books. The reason it would be happy is because God fulfilled his part of the covenant and gave the land he had promised to Israel. 
The reason it's not a happy ending, however, is because the people failed to keep their part of the covenant. And we're going to read about that in Judges after Joshua. They did not obey and they were not faithful. From the start, they stopped short of possessing the land completely, allowing some Canaanites to remain. And the Canaanite people became a tempting influence on Israel, leading them down a commandment-breaking path. The promised land victory celebrated in the book of Joshua will be followed by over 1,400 years of fickle faithfulness as we march through the rest of the Old Testament. The result will be what God had also promised, exile and an ongoing battle to return to the promised land because of their unfaithfulness. Okay, the time period. The book of Joshua spans about 25 years. Um, not very many compared to Moses, starting after the death of Moses around 1406 BC, before the invasion began. The occupation of Canaan took about seven years, and Joshua's final words and death came almost 20 years later. All right, here is our setup. The book begins with the nation of Israel camped near the banks of the Jordan River. Across the river in front of them is a highly developed land made of well-fortified city-states that could, when necessary, ally against them, the Israelites. Archaeological evidence reveals that the Canaanites had a high degree of civilization and with it, a dark, destructive spirituality. They worshipped more than 100 gods, including the fertility gods Baal and Asherah, through child sacrifice and sexual ceremonies. Up until this point, the nation of Israel has followed one man, Moses, for 40 years. They have been delivered by God from slavery in Egypt, disciplined in the wilderness, and brought to the land he promised their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now Moses is dead, and Joshua must lead the people in the conquest and settlement of the promised land. For the generation of Israelites standing on the brink of the promised land, Moses and the wilderness is all they know. Most of them were either born after Egypt or were very small children when they left, except for Caleb and Joshua. Not one adult male who lived in Egypt is still alive. They had little military experience, limited resources, and I imagine presented a rather unintimidating, ragtag-looking mass. But they have a secret ally. Actually, not so great a secret by this point, because people had heard about the Red Sea, we're going to hear. Rahab, the prostitute, had heard about the crossing of the Red Sea. So not that much of a secret. This ally was greater than any ally the world had ever known, because their ally was God. Now, no, Israel will often forget that they have God as an ally. Well, don't we all? Sometimes I forget that. Certainly, they, they did in Exodus season two, and they will continue to in Old Testament books to come. I often want to roll my eyes at their repetitive stupidity. Yet how often do I forget I have an ally in God, a secret weapon in the Holy Spirit? All? All the time. All the time. <laughs> I'm often worrying, not praying, complaining, fearful, retreating, or forging ahead with my own plans rather than seeking God's plan. 
In short, I could easily be an Old Testament Israelite of the worst kind. Another interesting thing about the book of Joshua is that it is the beginning of the historical books, but it is the end of an age for Israel because after Moses and Joshua die, there will be no commissioned leader, no passing of the baton um, for the whole nation. Like Moses clearly had a baton passed to Joshua and that's going to come to an end. Israel moves into an age and the book of Judges when God will periodically raise different leaders to deliver Israel from her enemies, but nobody who like takes full control and gets to talk to God like Moses and Joshua did. Well, this is one of the reasons that I love studying the Bible with you, Susan, because Doing that review of Joshua that when he was with Moses in all, the last two books that we just read, oh, yeah. right? But it was easy to miss it because yeah. he was a supporting character, not the main character. We were so focused on Moses and all the things that the Israelites were doing to thwart the plans. And I think that's a really good setup into what's about to occur in this action-packed book. Now we know Joshua the man. We know who yeah. he really, really was when you string it together like that. That's quite a resume. Yeah. And really, you can see how God so faithfully provided these two leaders to get them into the land. And then it's kind of like the baton passes to them to keep the land. Yeah, and how you know? God prepared him for this moment. Yes. All the things that he came through prepared him for this day mm-hmm. so that then all these promises could be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And then they dropped the baton, the Israelites did. All right, let's begin. Joshua takes the lead. Chapter one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Okay, a lot of pumping up there. We have three back-to-back be strong and courageous statements that are all connected to God's covenant with the nation of Israel. Let me explain. The first reason God gives to be strong and courageous is a reminder that God promised. He swore that he would give the land to Abraham. Just as God brought them out of Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea, God would bring them to conquer the land. God promised the land to Abraham in his covenant with them. So it is going to happen for sure. And God will do the work to make it happen. They should be strong and courageous about that. It's part of the covenant. They know God's going to do it. He did everything else he said he was going to do. The second reason to be strong and courageous is that God had provided the way to succeed 
success for them by giving him the commands that they are to obey. Okay, so he's saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you the land. All you have to do is obey. They can have confidence that if they keep their part of the covenant by obeying, God will keep his part, the promised land. To do that, Joshua must know the law. Meditate on it day and night and be careful to do everything that is written. And he must lead the people in keeping the law. Now, we know from studying Leviticus and Deuteronomy (laughs) that this was no small task. In fact, if you've been with us through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you will know that what Joshua must adhere to requires a lot of discipline and attention to detail. And Joshua's the man, like he's going to do it. So the third strong and courageous seems to be a reminder that this is a commandment from God, and therefore God will be with them and make it possible. So not only is God going to keep his promise, not only did God give them the way to success through his commands, but God is going to make it possible for them if they would just trust him. Nothing is impossible for God. Joshua must not become discouraged. Oh, he can get frustrated, which he really doesn't like Moses. Moses got frustrated. But he must not become discouraged that God cannot do what he has said he could because God can. God can give Joshua victory over the giants of Canaan. What we will see as we discuss the life of this man, Joshua, is that he has a heart and devotion like Jesus. Joshua will spend the rest of his life with a desire to do God's will and complete the task for which he had been groomed by Moses. And I want everybody to think about this. When you think about men like Joshua, Moses, Paul, people that kind of, you don't really ever get their full family life. We got more of Moses's probably than anybody. You don't get any of Paul's or um, Joshua's, but you you do get what what lives on for in eternity, you know, what they did for the Lord, how, how God purposed them to do something. And so often we think of our life in terms of just what's around us instead of what's my, what is God, you know, at the end of the day, what's really going to be written <laughs> in God's book. And that's what he gave us to do. And I don't focus on it as much, I think, is what I was convicted of. All right. Joshua will spend the rest of his life with a desire to do God's will and complete the task for which he had been groomed by Moses, which is to pick up where Moses left off and get those people settled in the land. So how did he do it? How did he succeed where so many in the Old Testament ahead of us are going to fail? Well, he listened when God said, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Those are the words that we've already read that Joshua listened to and he never forgot. For at the end of this book, at the end of Joshua, at the end of his life, he will address the nation of Israel and say to them, Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. 
but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. So at the beginning of Joshua's charge, his commission, he is told to be strong and courageous, to remember everything that's written in the book of the law, blah, 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 blah. 25 years later, he repeats God's instructions to him almost verbatim to the people. So here we have the passing of the baton. He's telling them, Moses and God said it to him, and he's saying it to them. Joshua was a man on a mission who stayed on mission for his entire life. For the, from the time he was old enough to be an aide for Moses until the time he died, he loved God. He meditated on God's laws. He obeyed God's commands. He executed God's plan and he served God with his life. Wouldn't it be great if God said that about each one of us? I know. That's what I'm saying. I think about these, these men who were so devoted and I think, gosh, am I just too distracted? Can we not do the same? But isn't that the reason we're reading this book? And we're so thankful you're with us on this journey to read and discuss God's Word. Welcome to Season 6 of the Bible Book Club. Let's go. What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, Welcome Welcome to to the the club. Club! New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. As always, head over to SusanMe.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio, edited by Buck Buchanan, produced by Haley Mawatt.